Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive, and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damas Cleary. And today we'll be discussing season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I see you bring that energy once again, oh, Damas. straight off the bat, buddy. Get things going. Mm-hmm. Make sure no one thinks that you're lackluster and... Or that I've just woken up from a nap. Or- exactly. Exactly. Uh, quick bit of news before we get into things proper. Uh, we have a... I'm pregnant. No, I'm not. We have a a holiday special watch list plan. So mm-hmm. next week we're doing a bonus holiday, Christmas, everything special. And we have nominated six. We've had nominated six episodes of television to watch um, that are holiday themed. Some of these suggestions are our own. Some of these come from dedicated listeners, mm-hmm. which is great. So I'll go through the list in alphabetical order so you at home can play along. Uh, first, we're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season three, episode 10, Amends. Next, we're watching Community Season 1, Episode 12, Comparative Religion. Not the one we wanted to do, but you know, when the friends demand something else, we'll go when with the them. When the friends? When the friends demand. Are they fans that are also friends? That's correct. Sure. French fans. French uh, fans? Uh, French fans? French fans? No. Shut yes. up. Doctor Who, uh, 2005 Christmas special, The Christmas Invasion. That's David Tennant's first Episode, proper episode. Oh. Does appear at the end of the last one from Eccleston. Uh, Happy Ending Season 3, Episode 7, No Ho Ho. That one's mine, guys. Definitely one so I excited to talk about watched. Happy Endings. Uh, the Office UK mm-hmm. Christmas Special Part 2. Mm-hmm. You could theoretically watch Part 1 as well, but it's one episode per You can do whatever thing. you want. We're so not the part boss of two. you. And finally, Parks and Recreation Season 5, Episode 9, Ron and Diane. So, mm. if you want to listen along to the episode, I mean, feel free to listen without watching those episodes. But if you want to watch them beforehand, that's what we'll be discussing. We'll also be going over um, a few thoughts on the season or this year of television as a whole, 2018, and um, just go over our thoughts from the year before we wrap things up. Uh, but right now, let's get into Off Topic Hot Topic. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. Mm. News in fuller. Over the last couple of days, I believe, Brian Fuller tweeted and <gasps> then deleted... A tweet that said... So he cancelled his own tweet. <laughs> he cancelled his own tweet. Uh, it said simply this. Me and Michael Green never abandoned American Gods. We dedicated... We 
were dedicated to cast, crafted the season, wrote five episodes, even had media as Mr. Rogers and Princess Leia. We were in the process of reducing scope due to a dramatic budget reduction when we were fired. End quote. Oh, someone got drunk on red wine. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, Brian Fuller decided he wanted to have some words about what went down. And mm. he's now admitted to being fired, which I don't think was originally the story, at least from their side of things. Oh, that's probably why I deleted the tweet. Probably do I delete the tweet. But also just a couple of little interesting things on there. Um, media as Mr. Rogers and Princess Leia sound like it would have been fun, but... Uh, Yes. That could have been true. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but just thought that was interesting. That's the most interesting thing to happen to Brian Fuller in a while. <laughs> he is still alive. He's still with us. That's good to know. <laughs> Teetering on the edge. Well done, Fuller. Getting very yeah drunk and drunk tweeting. Bad idea. <laughs> uh, All up- really good for the rest of us, depends on Certainly good for this podcast. Mm. Uh, a little update on a story we talked about, I think it was last week, that Buffy is now on Facebook. On Facebook Watch. Mm. And I was saying, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to watch it in Australia. Did you figure it out? Yet. Well... You s- it still doesn't work in Australia properly. Oh. However, if you do have a VPN, it totally works. Oh. And so I was, was able to watch it. Now, we don't encourage you to have a VPN. I don't encourage you. I'm just saying But if you live the in journalism. Australia, you probably have a VPN. Um, <laughs> I did mm. the investigative work and it does work. Mm. You just and did I, some really good Google searches, it, didn't you, of other people's experiences? 100%. Yeah, good. And I also found out that um, it is the HD remastered versions. Oh yeah. snap! Yeah, it's that's not a burn. The original SD versions. This is the yeah terrible HD versions uh, with the widescreen. Mm. And also, I so noticed if you do love seeing a boom in shot. This is the version or, or for you. A crew member or actors yeah. standing just off Some in frame slightly. Yeah, drinking coffee in the background. <laughs> Good. Um, there was something else I noticed in my research mm. that in the first episode, you know how the first episode opens with a alternate opening titles because there's a character in that that they... Yeah. Oh, like the original. The original, original. Oh, episode yeah. one epi- original titles in the, in the pilot yeah. have a cast member in there. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit of a, a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. That's not in this version. Really? They couldn't be bothered up-resing HDing that bit so that's just like the normal opening titles. Oh, I, was really, I was like... It's lame. Lazy is what it is. Yeah, that's true. Freaking lazy. Uh, a couple of headlines for you. Very quick ones today. Uh, this week, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina was renewed for parts three and four. So, we're wow. officially calling them parts. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. this will be hunting parts. I mean, Avatar's got books. These guys have parts. Whatever. It's cool. So, that I imagine will be sort of another 10 or so episode parts. We'll probably mm-hmm. distribute it every six months or so like the first season was. Um, have you watched the Christmas special yet, by I the way? I have. What do you think? Um, wasn't what I was expecting. No. Um, it was. I just find her friends so boring, and I don't want to spend any time with them. Sure. At all. Uh, I was expecting like some sort of creepy Santa thing to be coming down the chimney. Not what I got. Um, I mean, I enjoy like the campy like Satan pagan Christmas. I thought that was really fun. That yep. element. But generally, I could I could leave it. Yeah, didn't mm. do a whole lot for me. But I'm glad this. they seem to have like thrown one um, storyline in the bin. That would yes. have just been really boring next season. So yes. I'm really happy about that. I was that. interested in that too. They just yeah. were like jettisoned it straight away. I was, I was like, thank like, God. That's an interesting choice yeah. that you happened at all, but well done. Uh, also, uh, the other piece of news I wanted to bring up, and I'm going to say this incorrectly, Ludwig Granson, I believe is how you say his name. Ludwig. Yes. Is exactly how you say it. Is, it's not, that wasn't the part I was worried about. 
Uh, is set <laughs> and yet it's the part you got wrong. Mm-hmm. So mm. is set to compose the score for the Mandalorian, the new Star Wars television series. Do you know who Ludwig Ludwig Göransson Ludwig. is? Mm. No, <laughs> he is the composer of the score for Community, for oh. uh, New Girl, for Happy Endings, Ooh. for uh, Creed One and Two. Well, I know you like. The old creedies. I like everything that I just mentioned pretty much. I mean, you have watched Happy Endings. I've, the bits of Happy Endings I've liked and you York I can take a leave. But mm. but I've always loved his work. Oh, that's really exciting. I think it'd be really cool for him. I didn't he know does... the guy who did Creed also did all those TV shows. Yeah, he did. And Ludwig, he, I had no idea. He's a big... Okay. He, <laughs> he's um, heavily involved in Childish Gambino. So, mm. I think he he met Don Glover doing Community and they started mm. working doing Childish Gambino then and he's been hugely involved with that the whole time. Do you think his name was just Larry, but he's like, I want to be a composer, I don't so I'm going to change so. my name to Ludwig? I don't think so. All right, well, it's a theory. It's a fan theory. <laughs> Spread it on the internet. Maybe it's Larry. Let's Yeah, I'll look that up into mm. that next time. Uh, Damask, do you have yes. anything for... Or is off topic, hot topic. Look, I haven't done a lot this week, but I did watch the Artemis Fowl teaser trailer mm-hmm. brought to you by Disney Corporation. <laughs> uh, so I loved Artemis Fowl as a kid. Like, I really loved it. I remember being obsessed with it. I don't remember the story at all. Like, not even, I was even like looking up the Wikipedia thing, be like, I don't, I'm not saying anything in this trailer. Read the Wikipedia little plot summary. Mm-hmm. Didn't remember a thing at all. Wow. But anyway, so watching the trailer, so I've never read the book because I might as well not have. Um, <laughs> I'm t- uh, not really that impressed, to be honest with you. I was like, could this be another, like the next Harry Potter? After watching the teaser, I'm going to say no. Um, mm. The design, not particularly interesting. Looks a bit cheap. Looks a bit tacky and uninspired. I love me some Dame Judy. Uh, but is that Dame Judy in there? I missed that bit. Well, you just had your eyes closed. Yep. Oh. Um, she's the one who's talking through the whole trailer. Is that? Oh. With that weird voice. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, I was yeah, not paying attention. So far, not impressed. It's a teaser trailer, so who knows? It might be fantastic. But And I also just not a fan of the design. Might be Fantastic Beasts, and that is not something you want to be. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. And I saw like in a bunch of the comments, people were like, oh, no, it's giving me Percy Jackson vibes, and that's not mm, a good thing. Mm. I like the first Percy Jackson film. It's not great, but I thought it was a bit of a fun romp. Why not? I've never seen any of those movies. The second one is a trash fire. Right. But I, I thought the first one was pretty fun. Um, never read Artemis Fowl. Remember the book. Remember it being on like library shelves and the cool people loved book it. thing where it was like a yes, like a safe thing, like a lock and key, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and it was like gold. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, yeah, I I get confused with that, like the Golden Compass, and there's a lot of that sort of like YA stuff I never read. Mm. Um, you haven't lived, but it's apparently or haven't read is what it is, mm. and that's Illiterate. that's a real shame. You can tell by the way I read things off my computer screen during the <laughs> podcast. I'm not a strong reader. Uh, this is why I watch television, obviously. That's right. I need someone to tell Nothing me foreign stories. Nothing foreign, though, because you can't do subtitles. I yeah. listen to podcasts and I watch television. <laughs> there is no reading in my life. Uh, yeah, no, the trailer looks fine. I, I, I kind of like the music of it. The Nothing about the world really stands out as no, being particularly interesting. The You said it looks a bit cheap. I kind of got a bit of a Men in Black vibe, weirdly, from mm. it. From just like there's some guy in a suit... This is how much I pay attention. There was like some weird like silver and blue energy weapon thing going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see the comparison. It. Totally. 
not that impressed, really. <laughs> Did you see the pictures today, Entertainment Weekly, of uh, the first Aladdin pictures? No. I think you should do it live on the podcast right now. Just look up Entertainment Weekly, first Aladdin live action pictures or whatever. All right, that's a lot P- to type. Particularly take in um, Will Smith's genie, who we're seeing for the first time. Um, oh, my God. You, I didn't know he was doing the genie. You didn't know Will Smith was doing the genie? No. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've just seen the title of thumbnail. How do you feel about that goatee? <laughs> oh, hold on. I need to Ask get a video me of this. how I feel. Oh, no. What, what, are, you, what are your right. initial thoughts here, Damask? Um, <laughs> it looks... All right. So, it looks like a sad... Divorced dad who's trying to like have a fun costume at Halloween. <laughs> um, oh, it looks terrible. That looks so cheap and tacky. A lot of people are saying, or I think maybe my brother was saying, who's a lot of people, was saying. <laughs> He's uh, a lot of man. A lot of man. He was saying it, um, it was like they were trying to mix the cartoon with the stage show. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, it looks bad. The other comment that people are making is there's two. Uh, one, Aladdin's wearing way too many clothes. It's too hot. Uh, he's too hot, as in temperature-wise or too looks-wise? He's in the fucking desert. Oh, yeah, right. Why is he wearing flannels? It gets cold at night. He's a street urchin. He's a street urchin. Jasmine looks fine to me, I guess. Her costume looks terrible. Um, the, apparently, Jafar is quite hot. Can you see the Jafar picture? Everyone's like, hot Jafar. Oh, hello, 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 hello. Thank you, BuzzFeed, providing that picture. Oh. <laughs> I think that makes sense for Jafar. Whoa! You but want also, him to be charismatic like, and like. Why wouldn't Jasmine pick him then? Yeah, exactly. Isn't the right. thing in the cartoon he might like be creep he's still. so gross? I don't know. Those abs do not look creepy to me. There's abs. <laughs> I've seen abs. That's from the actor's Instagram. Oh, okay. Have you seen him in costume though? Um. Yeah, I have. <laughs> oh, good. I was like, just the ab pick was not the one that was getting out from the set. <laughs> well, they should with abs. Yeah, no, he's got a lot more clothes on the official um, feed, <laughs> which is disappointing, I think. Yeah, Still I mean, he's dressed Jafar. like an evil sorcerer, yes, so that makes is. sense. Got the turban, though. I'm okay with Jafar's outfit way more than I am with Aladdin's. Apparently, mm. the news is that Will Smith will be playing a blue version of himself as well, but this version you're seeing in those pictures is like him when he's trying to blend in and be a human being. Right. So, as he's like the with days a- that Will Smith couldn't be bothered sitting in the chair for too long? Or, well, it's probably CGI, I know, so I, I, know. I doubt it had anything to do with uh, makeup. Uh, anything else for us to mask? No, sir. Yeah, it's been a not much week uh, for news or otherwise. So, mm. let's get straight to our spoiler-free review of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 2 takes us back to 1950s New York City as Midge and Susie try to beat the odds and build a name for the up-and-coming comedian. All of the core cast of Season 1 return and are joined by one, only one notable new face, Zachary Levi as Dr. Benjamin Ettenberg. Chuck! Season 2 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 52 minutes, and took us approximately 8 hours and 35 minutes to watch, though it didn't feel that long. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, so, uh, remind everyone how we felt, or you felt, Damask, about Season 1 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I loved it! Remember what, you gave it out of 5? 
4.5, baby. I, I also did. I also loved it and also gave it a 4.5 out of 5. What a fun romp it was. <laughs> so with that in mind, uh, what are your thoughts on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 2? I loved it. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad you like that. But in more detail... Season two can be a rocky time for a TV show, particularly one that was as beloved as Mrs. Maisel. Budgets get bigger, but so do egos, and sometimes a show can fall right off track. I'm looking at you, Westworld. Mm. As this season begins, we are immediately swept into a bigger world than the Upper West Side and the dirty clubs of downtown. The universe gets bigger, but this show uses a growing amount of locations to its benefit. Instead of getting lost in larger-than-life plot points, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel uses these new locations to explore character. We get to watch the characters we grew to enjoy spend huge quantities of time together, usually in rather confined spaces, and it works wonderfully. We expand past Midge and her comedy career. We spend more time with Abe and Rose and Susie and, yes, even Joel. And these characters are just as enjoyable as our main gal. The impressive cast make each character shine and every joke land with a zing. This show is pure rhythm. The pacing of the conversations, the sweeping shots and the movement of extras in the space, it all comes together to create a catchy tune that you want to keep coming back to. This show is a visual feast. The jokes are still funny, but what really sets this season apart from the first is the amount of time we get to spend on our side characters. Susie and Abe were my favourites from the first season, and it was a pleasure to get to know them more this season. At every turn, this show lets us see just how restrictive gender roles are and how limiting cultural and familial expectations can be for absolutely everyone. Midge is the obvious example and our way into the theme, but with season two, we see Rose and Abe questioning their own paths. Both parents, particularly Abe this season, learn that a life of frustration isn't the only option, that perhaps there is more out there and that's worth exploring. Susie is battling her own demons this season. She's a big ball of independence and that can get her in trouble. In fact, it gets her in trouble most of the time. She's now responsible for someone else's future and without having any experience of that in her family life, she has to learn selflessness and responsibility to others all by herself. Oof, it's a hard learning curve, but an important one. Her relationship with Midge becomes closer and transforms throughout the season. These two ladies are from very different worlds, and while it may be a great source of comedy for the viewer, it's a divide that is sometimes impossible to bridge. The idea of success means very different things to each woman. For one, it is the fulfillment of a dream. For the other, it means never having to worry about starving again. This season's plot doesn't rocket along, and that may be a negative for some viewers, but for me, the writers have done such a wonderful job at getting me to care about these folks that I am happy to spend the extra time with them as they enter bikini contests and practice their calisthenics at dawn. I love this season. I loved where they took the characters, and I'm very excited for season three. Broad. Very cool. Uh, it's funny, you say it doesn't rocket along, though I'd say... I'd say, without spoiling anything, mm. that by the time we get to where we do at the end of the season, I think we've made a lot more progress than maybe I thought we would. Mm. I think we, we reach a point that maybe I wasn't expecting to happen so soon. And we'll get to that more in spoilers, yeah. I but think I think like, a good thing. There's segments in the middle where we... Things just slow down In other completely. shows, it might feel like we're meandering a bit. I didn't feel that way. There's this thing in anime called filler. Right, <laughs> where like between main arcs, 
they'll yeah. go and do something that's completely off what we think the main plot is. And there are three episodes this season that some might consider filler. They were also excellent, though. Yeah. And so we'll get to that again in spoilers, but I thought it was really interesting. But uh, I'll go through my review here. What an excellent little sh- little show this continues to be. Only it's not little. It is so it must be so expensive. The sets, the long shots, the extras, everything. Though I want to point out that expensive doesn't mean automatically mean good. Mm. Like there are expensive shows that we've watched this season. Westworld, (laughs) that have a lot of money and have a lot of flash but don't know what to do with that. Mm. Whereas this show, that money is there to be seen but also is used so well to bring the world to life, to make it fun, to make it gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um, As you said, those ridiculously long sweeping shots and big long takes with the the actors, just the huge impressive sets and costumes and, man, all of it is so, so amazing. Mm. It's so great. I'm really glad Amazon... Seem to love the shows as much as they do. Keep throwing money at it. Yes, yes, yes. Midge and Susie continue to be amazing as a duo for all the reasons you mentioned. I won't go over that again. The stories knows it can't just be an underdog tale forever. Mm. It needs to push to the next challenge. And it is asking the big big questions of Midge's goals. And I like what, they, what they're doing with the show there. It's not new territory necessarily in terms of the sort of questions they're asking. But I like they're asking this question from many different angles. Mm. Midge, definitely. Also with Susie. Also with Abe. Asking questions about like which path you're choosing to go down in life and why and what that's going to mean for you. Even, uh, sorry, Abe and Rose, I should say, reach a whole new level for me. I like them in season one. I don't know if I love them. And within the first couple of episodes, I was like, they're making a strong case for these two. Love episode, episode two, two. I was like, love, 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 love. Episode, the very last bit of episode two with Ro- Rose and Abe, I was like, that was really good to get mm. me to that point with them. I want to talk about that in, in the spoilers. We will. Yep. And then they continue to do amazing things, especially with Abe, a bit more than Rose. But I found Rose to be a lot more, I just understood Rose a lot more mm-hmm. after that opening of this season and so even though we didn't always see heaps of her I felt like I at least had an in with her I was in on her emotion or her internal struggle or internal journey at all times which was great she they are both fantastic actors as well I yeah. love them both and she's really kind of hot too anyway all right all right put it back in your oh man that first when I find her in her apartment I was just like she's ridiculous yeah, anyway sexy. um even Joel begrudgingly worked for me this season <laughs> Though he's still not good enough for Mitch, but that's another story. Obviously. Zachary Levi is an excellent inclusion. I really like what they do with his character. I was a little bit like, what's the go here at first? He got but they... massive. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand him. Like Physically? Physically. He is really, really imposing and ridiculous. He's just broad. He's just he's tall already, but then he's, he's just like been just working broad. out nonstop for Shazam or whatever that movie's called. Oh yes. That's why he's so big. Of course. Yeah. I totally <laughs> f- that's why he's giant. That's why they dress him the way they do as well, I think. They doesn't necessarily show he should- off that body. Well, it's funny because he's not they don't necessarily show off that he's he must be ripped, right? Yeah. And his clothing doesn't show that he's ripped. They just show that he's mm. broad. Well, fifties clothing wouldn't. True. Yeah. It wouldn't. Uh, it works to like because he- He's a surgeon. He shouldn't necessarily be a <laughs> tank. Uh, he just is. And it's quite... I just love... There's a shot with him in like episode nine with him and Susie. It's like this shot alone is funny. Just <laughs> yeah. those two people next to each other yeah. is very, very good. Uh, side characters who were good in the first season are given more to do and are generally just better realised. The world is filling out and I love it. Writing remains strong, though... Ooh. A little criticism I'll have. Oh, no. Barely. I don't think I enjoyed Midge's sets as much as I did last year. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit less of them, I think, because it's going to be a struggle to continue to write fresh comedy mm-hmm. every episode. 
Um, and there's a couple of them that I adore. Yeah. And there's a couple I was just like, eh, that didn't quite land the same way. I didn't necessarily laugh along with the audience as much as I did in the first season. I still think she's great. Mm. But um, it's not like I don't believe that, but I just didn't, I didn't necessarily laugh at that stuff as much. And weirdly enough, the show around her was becoming funnier than her sets were, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think also because, and this isn't for all of the stand-ups that we see this season, but mm-hmm. for some of them I think it is because many of the sets that we saw in season one was Midge just losing her shit on stage. And yeah. that was just funny because that was just Midge sure. being Midge. Whereas here we're seeing a practice routine. True. And it's just different different rhythmically as well. And they always had, obviously, references to the era. I feel there was even more of that this year. Well, there's literal jokes. I'm just like, I have no idea yeah, what they're, they're talking about anymore. Yeah, into that, yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the show takes a weird, almost cartoony diversion in the middle that some may find off-putting, but didn't take me long to settle in and just enjoy that ride. Loved it. It was excellent. This is an excellent season. Maybe better than the first. Certainly more even. I had a couple of problems with the first season. There was a couple of episodes after the pilot that didn't do much for me. I, spoilers for later, I have a really hard time choosing my least favorite episode. Yeah, me too. Mainly because there are- did I remember to choose one? Yeah, I did. There are no bad episodes. They just are not bad episodes in this season of television. How would you rate this season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel out of five stars? I've given it a 4.5 again. Yeah, I'm in a real pickle here. Pickle jar. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, my instinct is 4.5. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. The only reason I would dock at that 0. 0.5 is I'm not sure I'm like singing from the rooftops. Oh, my God. I'm excited, energized. Like, this is like magical, necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah. Easily watchable. Those eight and a half hours... Flew by. I was looking forward. I just kept wanting to watch the next episode. Yeah. All of that's there. There's just this little bit of me that's not completely, mm. absolutely just, it's not It's not sitting in my brain. If that, this is a weird thing to say, but like, I think when something really, really gets me to a five-star thing, I'm just thinking about it for days afterwards. Yeah. And I got to the end of it and I was like, that was great. I can't wait for season three, but it hasn't followed me mm. To work, if that you know what I mean. Yeah, no. For me, I can see the next level of this show, sure. of like like where it's going to make me go. Oh my god, mm-hmm. fuck yeah! Emotionally, which mm-hmm. is what I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, I'm not faulting what it is. Yeah, I just know, and I I hope that it does get there because I think it's definitely got the talent, the potential to do that. Yeah, and I'm just going to wait until that happens because there's things that I. Things that I want from character, things that I want from the story that haven't given me that emotional punch yet that I'm really looking forward to. I think we talked about in the past as well the potential for a show to have four, 4.5 seasons. But when you look back in the show, that was yeah, a five-star five star star show. show. Yeah. And right now, if you told me, yeah, that the potential for that is really there. This could be a five-star mm-hmm. show by the time it's over. Yes. Um, but I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five. Just just, just because it just doesn't quite get to that level yet Mm -hmm. for me. That's so undescriptive, but that's what I'm going to go with. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. (laughs) You ruined it. No, that was smooth. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. We don't stay in the kingdom of the Upper West Side for long. Princess Midge and King Abe are on a quest to save the Queen from a fate worse than death, becoming French. They visit her expecting the worst, but all they find is Rose having an orgasm over a wheel of warm brie. Princess Midge cuts her losses and flies back to the kingdom of bagels and taxis. Abe, however, decides to stick around for a bit to try and convince his wife that any civilization that eats snails is innately nefarious. Eventually, the Queen concedes and agrees that the kingdom would be lost without its king. But it's not all bad. He bestows his wife with a gift. She can paint penises as much as she'd like. Hooray! Princess Midge is working the club scene downtown, still banished from the uptown by the evil witch Sophie Lennon. It's not all bad, though. Midge gets solid laughs and gets to castrate a few douchebags along the way. Things are heating up in the kingdom and so all of the aristocracy head off to the Catskills to bathe in lake water and do whatever a mysterious wizard called Simon says. The villager Susie has been promoted to court jester. She has a special act that Princess Midge loves where she's able to deal with a world of shit with her magical plunger. Princess Midge meets Prince Charming and makes Prince Floppy even more flaccid. This new man on the scene will be a good example to her children they'll finally get to see what a man with a backbone looks like. No, I kid. Prince Floppy isn't half as bad as he used to be. He's trying to be a good guy. But we can never forget that he'll always be a bit of a dick. Okay, everyone? Let's agree on that. Anyway, Princess Midge and Jester Susie go on the road to collect taxes from peasants. Unfortunately, their carriage breaks down and so does their friendship. It's not all bad, though. After Midge gives a wonderful State of the Union address at an arthritis telethon, she gets invited to go on a royal tour of Europe. I hope there is a crossover episode with the stars of The Crown next season, because that would be fucking awesome. Princess Midge realises that all she cares about is her public, and that means no time for Prince Charming. She does, however, have time for one last stooping from Floppy before she goes. Gross. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. 
I just want to start going back to something you alluded to. You wanted to talk about the ending of episode two mm. with Abe and Rose. What specifically did you want to talk about there? Well, what a roller coaster of emotion that episode was. We're falling in love mm-hmm. with these two French cuties wearing their berets, eating bread, eating cheese. Gorgeous talking philosophy. Why not? Oh, and we just, we fall in love with Abe, don't we? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, when they're dancing, gorgeous. And then we see Rose's heartbreak. Oh, oh. All she does is she wants to live in that beautiful home, which is gorgeous, by Ridiculous. the way. Fucking hell. So is the one they imagine, have. But yeah, yeah sure. imagine what that would be worth now. Holy shit, if they kept a hold of that. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's not talk about real estate. Um, so that's awful when we see that. She has to go and we see her face as they get in the cab and leave her fucking dog. Yeah. Oh, oh Simone. Simone. Oh, Simone. Um, yeah, that's tragic. It's so your, your heart is broken and you feel so awful for Rose. And then at the end, Abe, the cutie, the cutest of the cuties, he's like, one, I've organised so you can take art classes because I love you, you babe. <laughs> Two, because I'm super cute. I've organised dance lessons. And your heart explodes with happiness. It was the best thing. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Satisfying. It was so good because it's so easy to see that version in a lot of shows, I think, where that would just come back and like they go back to the way things were and Abe would be unchanged and Mm. she and Rose would just be miserable again. But to have them come back and yeah, they had to come back and Abe, you know, douses out that fantasy and says, no, we have to go home. But... Mm. Let's take a little something back with us. Yeah. Let's not forget this. Let's use, mm. you know, learn from this. Fuck, man. That was beautiful. Yeah. I hope that. he remembers some of those, well, that s- sacrifice she gave up when we see what he wants to do at the end of the season. Well, interestingly. Because he can't be like, no, you give up your freedom to come back to our life because we have to. Yes. Fast forward a little bit. And he's like, actually, you know what? Let's throw our life away because I want to now. Yes. It's like, oh, What? Absolutely. Mm. And that's, I mean, this is this is one of the interesting things about where this shoes is gone. You've got Midge currently making the decision. She, I think the, the two things that happened in the last episode, we see a man who chose to give up on his dreams, essentially, to give up on his passions to work. And he has a great career and a great family and a great house and all that sort of stuff, but gave up on those passions. Mm. And now looking back at his life and going, well, what happened? Where did I go so wrong? And you've got Lenny Bruce, who has thrown himself completely into his passions, but is fucking miserable mm-hmm. and is alone, all alone. And Midge, in the middle of this, sort of trying to figure out where she's going next. At the crossroads. At the crossroads. What decision do I make? And I think and then the she end. goes and sleeps with, <laughs> with Joel. Though uh, I think that's a goodbye to one road, hello to another. Sure. In which she's like, I'm not going to have a happy family. Yep. Not going to do what my parents did. I'm going to go the Lenny Bruce way, mm-hmm. um, and you know, but you know, one last little, and then I'm on my way. Well, that's the thing. I can I'm imagine. Off to trot. I can imagine a version of their relationship where maybe it's not the last. Gross. But it's because they're not really married. They're you know they're living their own lives. Mm. He's looking after the kids half the time. Um, he's doing his bar or whatever. But they're going to be in each other's lives. That's the thing I really appreciate about. Getting, I didn't want to get Joel yet, but <laughs> the Midge Joel stuff, when they're not making Google eyes at each other and telling each other how much they love each other, which 
annoys me a little bit. But yeah. the but the the working friendship they have, they obviously have a connection to each other. They are parents together. There is there is going to be a bond that keeps them in each other's lives forever. Yep. And to just make that work, I can see them being friends and that working really that, well. That That's was what my I wanted. exact notes about it. Was like I like Joel as a supportive friend. Totally. I do not like Joel as, as this pining husband feeling sorry for himself, being 100%. like, "I love you, but I'm gonna let you go." Blah blah blah. Shut up. Just be a friend. Yeah. Just be fucking chill about it. Yeah. You dickhead. And like he is going through that process, and sometimes he's better at it and sometimes he's worse at it and this mm. season can be frustrating because you're just sort of starting to go eh, maybe I've been a bit harsh on Joel and maybe I can get on side with this guy and they'll go do something creepy yeah. or some, you know or God, something he's weird he's good at being creepy isn't he real creepy mm. there's a bit there's a bit that's so Joel when at the Catskills which we'll get to in a moment when the fireworks are going on everyone's watching the fireworks and freaking Joel is walking away and just looking like a mopey dickhead mm-hmm. avoiding the lights in the sky that yeah. everyone's contained by it's like that's the most Joel thing I've ever seen in my life <laughs> deliberately making himself miserable um, but then he does weird things like the bit where he's sort of like kind of like they give him that hero moment where he saves uh, Susie, and, Susie and Midge, mm. but then he'll do a weird thing like threaten Susie on the phone. Well, he did that. It's in the same episode. Same episode. Like earlier, he's like, "I don't care if you're a girl, I've, I'll fucking kill you." Yeah, I'll and rip like, your head off and use. Out of nowhere, it's like, "What the fuck are you weird. talking about?" Like that was weird. weird. And then at the end, he's like, uses that same energy in like a hero mode. I'm like, "Yeah, eh, yeah, I d- It doesn't work for me. Those well, two like. Yeah, he. I. I think he needs to remain problematic. He is a problematic human being mm. who can be useful in some degrees and should be kept at arm's length in others. This is the exact reason he can't be your lover, but it maybe is the reason he can be your friend. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like there, I think. Yeah, I think lots in that can episode be we see his usefulness. Yes, is that in a man's world in 1959? Yes. Sometimes you're gonna need a bit of muscle, mm-hmm. and that can be very helpful. The bit where he punches the guy, he says, well, "Why don't you keep her?" He's like, "Bam!" Boom. He's just like, "Wherever that sentence was going, <laughs> that was gonna happen anyway." It's like, yeah, kind of. I like that. I like that, that was too. Very satisfying to watch. That was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a bit as well with Joel in a flashback that's so Joel. And it's actually He's come, so gross. He is, isn't he? Yeah. This came I, up. I hate that. Scene. There was something I don't know. I hate it for the reason that I meant to, not because I do th- think it's a bad scene. No, it's just gr- just because I'm like, oh, that tells me so so much. It does say mm. so much, right? The way he uses, um, he, what's the word I'm looking for? It sort of takes the situation hostage. Mm-hmm. Like he, he says, well, if you don't say yes, I'm gonna basically walk in front of a. Bus is the is a, again a very Joel manipulative gross yeah. thing to do. But also like this idea of um he thinks he's the leading man of his own story and he believes his own bullshit. He's like I've seen this in a movie before. He's like yeah. no, I'm such a cool guy. It's like no, you're just a fucking loser. I liked that when he had that realization in the park when they were hitting the baseballs. He was in a weird moment that annoyed the hell out of me. But like saying you know I wasn't funny. The bit where yeah. his friend... I can't remember his friend's name. Oh, nice. Um, he, he says, like, oh, no, I always thought you were funny. It's like, yeah, I'm not Midge funny. He's like, well, yeah, you're not Midge funny. <laughs> That's professional funny. Yeah. Uh, which I liked. But then he's like, well, maybe it's the club scene. I'm like, yeah, go go start a club. Go do You'd that, Joel. you be a Joel. perfect sleazy club owner. Totally. That's what you're born for. He seems to be good at his job in the textiles factory mm. or whatever it is. Like, he's good at that. He's an organised dude. He's yeah. got that working for him. And he's um, like a bit of a... a or he's aspiring to be, I guess, a bit of a tough guy, which you need to be in mm-hmm. that club scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there are bits of Joel's journey. I'm like, yes, do that, Joel. Uh, that would be a good option for you, Joel. Mm. And other bits, I'm like, fuck oh, yeah, off, no, Joel. I didn't hate Joel this season at no, all. I there were like, there was, I was surprised at my reaction to. to him. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I was sharpening the blade, ready to <laughs> stab, stab, stab. Um, but no, I, I, I didn't hate him at all, and I thought they really helped me see his struggle through his genuine friendship and care for Mitch. Yeah. I thought that was really good. But and like, I understand why they need to give him like the the sleazy vibe because he's a man in the 50s slash well, 60s I'm assuming next season mm. um, yeah so I get why it has to be that way but it is frustrating to watch um, the ending we already talked a little bit about about like that the last stop basically mm. one more second although I, I little moment I did love was the bit where they're on the dance floor it's like maybe we should, it's time to dance with other people I was like that's a great button on their relationship yeah. let's finally move on from these two and they bring them back together for the ending <laughs> How do you feel about not necessarily that moment, but that moment as the ending of this season, as the final image that we have of those two sort of rekindling their love for a night? I don't like it. I don't love it either. At the end, if even if that had happened and then the button was her like getting on a bus to leave exactly. or something like yeah, that would have on. been, all right, she did the thing that she needs to do. She said goodbye to that life yep. or that life being an option to her and now she's moving forward. That would have been, I think, a better way to finish the season. I agree. It's the putting her back with Joel and that having been the ending. As I think it's more there for shock value because yeah. oh, what's she doing here? Why not Benjamin sort of thing? Mm. Yeah, um, that's a great question. Why not Benjamin? Yeah, why not Benjamin? Um, but... Uh, yeah, the uh, what it sort of says, what it represents by being at the end, I'm like that's that shouldn't be Midge's story. That's mm-hmm. not how we should end this season for Midge. Is with Joel. Yeah. Even if it is te- only temporary, don't finish it there. It's a mm-hmm. weird thing to way to put it. Even if I, th- I mean, this is not what they wanted to do, and that's fine. But I think I would have found it more tragic if she had gone to Benjamin as like this is going to be a goodbye. Mm. Fuck. That would have like been like oh shit like that would have really hit me because like you could see the potential life which probably would have been like a pretty satisfying nice life but she's like that's not what i want they but could have done that I bit do from la la land you know the end little montage bit and seeing what their family would i'm, I'm not i blacked it out i don't know i was staring uh, at you blankly I, la la land doesn't do a lot for me but that ending is fantastic right Okay. I don't remember. It, the sorry. epilogue. Anyway. Um, yeah, I kind of, I can see that. Mm. It, it does, again, I understand thematically why once she makes a decision, we just never see Benjamin again. Like that's kind of. It's lame. I don't like it. It's, I think it's, it's deliberate. It's just, that is not her future and she's cutting it out of her life. Basically. She's made that decision. It's very midge. It's completely selfish. It is very midge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know what's there, but it is disappointing because. The show. Sometimes, sometimes my feelings are more towards like the meta aspects of the show. It's like you made me love him. <laughs> well, how dare you not give me more time with Benjamin? Their last phone conversation was not over the phone. That's not even. That's not right. That doesn't feel right. They were so nice together. They were. Ugh. They did so much work to make me be- to like it, and mm-hmm. I loved it by the end. Yeah, the whole time I was like, because I was enjoying him so much. I'm like, he better not end up being a creep. He yeah. better not be like a typical fifties man. Yeah. And so far he hasn't been. He's been a fucking dreamboat. <laughs> He's been perfect. God, perfect man even in 2018. Gorgeous. Yeah. Of course, she just doesn't want him. <laughs> Wants Joel for some reason. 
Uh, Midge. It makes no sense. It actually does make sense because they're both selfish assholes. So yeah, that's, like, the, that's ultimately yeah. what it is, right? It's, I want someone who's not going to judge my selfishness because yes. <laughs> they have a bucket of their own. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a weakness and it's... It's so Midge. It reminds me. Oh man, one of my it is my is the best weakness that Midge has is her selfishness. Mm. The best bit being, and fuck, I saw it coming from a mile away, and I wanted to scream as she started doing it when she's at the wedding. Yeah, she gets up on the <sighs> fucking I like, chair. Fuck, I was just, I was just, no. What are you doing? Yeah, get. Uh, you knew it was coming because I was cause watching. It had to. Yeah, I was watching that episode with. Angela, my girlfriend, yeah. and she had, hasn't watched any of it before. Sure. And so, because I was just watching, because I had to get through through it. And as, because oh, she didn't such, know. such it, a chore. She didn't, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, because yes. Angela was leaving, so I was like, oh. well, I've got to sit next to you while I do this I, thing. I live this life, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's, yeah, and she starts talking. I was like, ha ha, clap, clap, clap. And then she keeps going. Oh. And I, because Angela didn't know who any of the characters were. And I just like covered my eyes. Yeah. And she's like, what's wrong? I'm like, she can't stop herself. <laughs> and then like, I was like peering through my fingers and I saw her get up on the chair. I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then she was talking about having sex with the priest. Yeah. And I like, Grew up in a religious family and like when you, you just, you would never in a hundred billion years ever make a joke about having sex with a priest or a pastor. You just, oh my, I was dying. I was dying. It's awful. It's awful. And, and, and the moment where she finally figures out that she's overstepped the line, it's just like, fuck you, you're the worst. She overstepped all the lines. All the lines, it's fuck true. Enough. She has this, this, this game that was going on in my head this entire season was... Especially after episode one, I think it is, where she walks into that club in in Paris and she's doing a mm. bit and the lady's translating. By the way, switch positions. Midge, get off the microphone. Let the French woman have yeah. the microphone so Make that everyone can sense. hear. Anyway, yeah. um, every time a microphone is in shot, I'm just like, she it's just... Yeah, it's just like yeah. that is this midge bait right there. Mm-hmm. That uh, There was one at the very start of the Catskill stuff where the guy's talking. I was like... I feel like that's almost a Chekhov's gun. Like any, yeah. ma- any microphone on a stage is just potential midge, midge yeah. speech. It's mm. what it becomes. Even Joel has that a little bit like he's seen people whisper about him and he just gets up and just addresses everyone. He's like, hey, everyone, I see you whispering about me and my wife. Just so you know, it's like, oh, my God. It's like, you okay, you just want to have the conversation right now, I guess. That's that's fine. Absolutely. I, I kind of like that moment. No, I do like that moment yeah. a lot. Um, but like another example of Midge's like inability to stop herself is like she gets up at you know the Concord, she sees her papa. Oh man! Any person who was like, I thought she was just gonna like run off. I was like, it's Midge. She can't stop so much of the fact that she then turns her routine into, into a that. routine about her father yeah. while he's sitting right there. Yeah, she has a problem. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she is so addicted. She's pathological. Yeah, she absolutely is. That scene, though, uh, A, did you see it coming? Did you? No. It's funny. I didn't, stupidly. Because the way, what they were doing with Abe did make me think it was a possibility that he would see her show. Mm. But what they didn't, they they left out that one scene that would tip the scale into it being a definite, Mm. right? So, it's like, we know he's going for a walk, but you don't necessarily expect him to walk into that room. That you see. Mm. And they never fully explain why he was there there. 
like. But we know that he was out and about and he's just sort of come... He easily could have seen her name or something like that. Oh, Mrs. Maisel, what's that? And walked in or whatever. Doesn't need an explanation, which is great because when it happens, you have been... Even if you thought it might have been a possibility earlier, you'd forgotten about it. And then, fuck, man. That is as high stakes as the show has ever got. Panic stations. It was just my like, what happens fell now? out of my ass. Oh, so good. I was like, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You're... Because I grew up with a very strict father. Right. And I was having PTSD. I was like having a hot flash. I was like, I can't. I can't breathe. And she just kept going. Yeah. Like, this is torture. <laughs> and then when she gets off stage and he's standing there, there in was- like, like full dad mode. Full dad mode. Get in the car. It's like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> There's two moments there. There's just the first moment which throughout her entire set she mm. plays, he plays, sorry, Amazingly, Tony Shalhoub, seriously, ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. He better. Be, I want best supporting actor. Nominate him again next I year. I hope so. Um, that moment is perfect. And then the moment is like, where is he? He's gone. And it's like, oh, I know where he is. And that's he's there. I was just like, fuck. Hello. So intense. And I love so Susie's great. reaction. Who like clearly didn't grow up with a strict parent at all, just kind of like knows that she should be scared but also doesn't really understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. She's like, are we we in trouble? But she knows to shut up. She's like... "Mm." When they go back to the house and she's like, can we sit down? I don't know. (laughs) Don't move. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, All of that bit was fantastic. Okay, that was a beautiful little diatribe we went through. Mm. It flowed nicely. Let's talk about the cat skills and just that entire... Little diversion mm. we take three episodes. This is a great example of something that like this show does that I just kind of have to marvel at. And I think it's something that I'm going to have to think about a little bit further because I can't quite articulate it. But this is generally something that, you know, quite a lot of shows do where we go off into a, a, di- a different space to do something different, you know, mid-season. And it feels like they're wasting your time. It feels like spinning and, wheels. Yes. Filler. And I get very, very frustrated. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting to feel that way when we're going to Catskills. I'm like, oh, I want the stand-up thing to happen. Like, oh, Susie's not going to be around. Come on. I had so much fun in the Catskills. Yeah. I was loving it. I, when s- all the other camp employees thought <laughs> Susie was missing, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I did not see it coming. This is a beautiful moment and hilarious. Oh, Susie, tell say hi to the rest of the team. Hi, guys. Ah! <laughs> just, oh, what a beautiful little surprise trip that was. Yeah, I was the exact same thing. When when they're leaving the cats, I was like, what the hell is happening and mm. how are we going to be here? I'd, I'd I heard, thought we'd be there for an episode. I heard someone, some people had, you know, whispered down the grapevine, Twitter, that that there's this weird bit in the middle that some people didn't quite understand. Then it's over and it's like, what was that sort of thing? Mm. And it wasn't until afterwards I asked my brothers, like, was that it? Was it the cats? Because like, yeah, I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. I expected something to be like, dream- and it kind of is. It's- cartoony is the word I come back to. Like that bit where they do think Susie's missing and they like <laughs> treat her like she's a- their best friend and all that sort of stuff. And they barely know her. It's like, yeah. no one knows who Susie is. She's been walking around with the plunger for the last <laughs> two months or whatever it is. Mm. Which is, a gr- that bit... Goes a surprisingly long way to the point where, <laughs> when she's in the closet in episode like eight or whatever it is, and the she plunger. comes out like, "Buy your plumber and you plunge that thing's <laughs> old and it's lost its suction." It, was it like, looks sad. <laughs> I, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. That I I th- I think it's is what they did with it is so clever in which 
So all of these players have like quite separate lives, even though Midge lives with her parents. Yeah. She's always coming and going and not spending a great deal of time with them. Yep. This is a great way, to, and including Joel as well, because he's not in the family home, yep. to get everyone in one spot interacting with one another, taking the time to see their dynamic together and just as people as individuals as well. Mm. It worked so well to get to know everyone this season. To get to know everyone, just that they... They really understood why this was strange and funny. The idea that all these families <laughs> annually go to this giant summer camp mm. together. Like, the way Midge is explaining it to Susie before she leaves is hilarious. It's like, what do you do out there? Like, activities. It's like, what do you mean activities? <laughs> it's like, there's, I don't know, there's things to do. And, like, they do, like, bird watching yeah. and freaking, like, you know, like, the bikini contest and all those sorts of things. I just like Susie Simon doesn't says, trust it. Yeah. She's just like... As she shouldn't. <laughs> it's the weirdest yeah, thing. because the way she asks, she's like... What do you do up there? Like yeah. just like <laughs> just leaves it hanging. Yeah. But that's the truth of it is it's a it is a weird vibe and they know that. That's why they're going here because it is weird yeah. and it's worth making fun of yeah. because it doesn't make sense to a modern audience. And it's a, a part audience. of like New York history. Yeah. But just doesn't really exist anymore. That doesn't exist. Yeah. And that's why it's so fascinating. Yeah. And it's like I understand what this is, but it's really weird if you think about it too mm-hmm. much. And then they just Completely dive headlong into it, make it a giant cartoon, and it's so, so fun. Every scene has some other ridiculous element, even if it's things that aren't that ridiculous, but you just look at it and go, wow, isn't that interesting? Mm. Like Joel Bowling and like the guys at the end who have to like jump out of the way and put them up, like little things like Mm -hmm. that, or Abe's thing where he's trying to figure out like the wind resistance for his (laughs) shuffleboard game, whatever it is, and like just goes on and on and his calisthenics and roses Mm. in the hairdresser and blah, blah, blah. On it goes. So many fantastic details. And it's like, so this season is so funny to me. Like, God, this season was so funny. I think funnier than last season. Like, I agree. The non stand up bits. So, so good. Like, when um, Moisha and I can't remember the mum's name, Mm. Joel's parents, arrive at the Catskills and they're unpacking their car. And they, maybe. And they don't have any luggage apparently they've yes. got like loose pots and clothing and they tip all the staff in old clothes yes god it's good the they've become even more cartoonish they were pretty cut the um joel's parents yeah. were pretty cartoonish the mum now has a gambling problem <laughs> gambling problem she's hidden money all around the place including oh, at, where's a bag of our bribe money we yeah have a, a sack <laughs> of bribe money yeah. The, we have a sack of money to bribe people with. Yeah. What what happened, and I think it's something that happens in a lot of shows that I end up loving, actually, yeah. is it's sort of first season, you know, it's figuring itself out, and the second season yeah. against this bunch of confidence, mm. and it sort of becomes the show, it either crashes and burns, which can happen, mm-hmm. or whatever it's doing, whatever juices are flowing work, and it makes mm-hmm. something that's really special. The, the world is less recognisable or believable than it was previously, mm-hmm. I think. It is more accentuated, bigger, more cartoony, right? But because it's legitimately funny and everyone who's in it is doing it and is completely dedicated to making it work, Mm. it is so fantastic. It reminds me, eh, for a shortcut, it's not the best example, but Community Season 2, which got through Season Mm 1, sort of had certain things that were working, Troy and Arbor and these sorts of things, and went, fuck it, let's go completely nuts with it. And Season 2 is one of the best seasons of television ever made, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And... It goes off the wall, but it works because there's yeah. a well, real the skill thing in like constructing a really successful television series, not just a season. So like your first season will be like a lot of it 
your plot is really tight, mm-hmm. but a lot of the, th- the things are in the world and around that are kind of broad strokes. Yeah, they're not as well defined they're as they not. should and be. And then the next season and seasons that follow is when you're adding your detail, when yep. you're really adding those character elements that people learn to love. It's like with Parks and Rec. It's yes. like we have kind of, you know, just this small Indiana town. And mm-hmm. as the seasons go on, that town becomes psychotic. Yep. Overrun by raccoons and they have a huge obesity problem that is a running joke and Joan Calamezzo and all that just every season gets nuttier and nuttier but more interesting and funnier. Well, there is a point where I think you hit where it's it starts to become diminishing returns. There's mm. this thing, it's the Simpsons did it, happens in Parks and Rec, it happened in community. Mm-hmm. Where you hit this like threshold and once you cross it, it's like, oh that's not as funny as it used to be. Yeah. And like you gotta know when Just to stop. Just don't go sometimes. into the future is my Don't go into the future <laughs> is a good is a good uh, piece yeah. of advice, I think. So I think this show has the potential to actually end up in that spot too. Mm-hmm. But it's seasons down the track and yeah, let's just so enjoy it let's in the moment. Let's worry about that in five years' time. <laughs> oh, that's one thing about the Catskills that I love. So the first two episodes, great getting to know Abe's like a loving husband. Beautiful things. And then we get to the Catskills and he becomes Mr. Fun Guy, yeah. the drunk. Yeah. Oh, they they clearly know what a talent they have there. And it's like, let's just give Tony... As much as we can, the people love Tony. Just give him a romper. Just just oh. let him romper and let him go. Just let him stretch on a pier. The, but oh, at the same time, that first time you see him doing his calisthenics is very funny. And mm-hmm. then after his like, world is shattered because both his children have these huge secrets mm. that kept from him he's finding out about. Um, there's a very melancholy version of that of just him sitting on the pier. It is so beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful shot little sequence. <laughs> it's fantastic. Mm. Uh, actually, just while we're here, since we're talking about Abe, mm. the uh, the moment where he sees Midge performing for the first time is mm-hmm. uh, incredible. The moment where he has to pretend he didn't know about it when she tells the family <laughs> is outstanding. But my favourite moment- I love when he turned to Rose and is like, did you know yeah, about this? Yeah. <laughs> God plays it so well. Abe is, is ridiculous. Abe is an all-timer yeah. as far as, as characters go. But my favourite moment of the entire season is quite possibly the moment when he finds out that Noah is working for the CIA, mm. that Noah has a bigger like security clearance than he does. It is so funny to watch that happen because it's just so earth-shattering. And oh my God. I can't, I can't get over how good that was. I do enjoy the moments. And it, it, it kind of feels like a British comedy a little bit when, because Abe thinks so highly of himself, because a lot of the people around him have thought so highly of him for a very long time, yep. that when he now think that he's like, his shit don't stink, when people come in and actually like, no, this is the reality. And you just see him like, shatter and also not quite understand what's happening. It feels like something like like the UK office. Yeah. It's just like, oh God, this is so cringeworthy. But one of my favourite gags this season was the, um, fuck, what's it called? The room, like the safe room. The, yeah, the secure room. The secure room. Yeah. The buzzer joke. The buzzer joke. Gets me every time. So good. <laughs> it's just a nice bit when of When the buzzer goes, it's yeah. like no one walks in and it's like, Oh, they must have buzzed the wrong room. room. <laughs> and then when he goes to leave after making grandstands, like, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to get you. You're going to have to buzz me out. out. <laughs> really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just speaking about Noah for a second. This mm-hmm. is going to be my one of my um, side notes. But I'm going to say it now. Ooh. There is a moment I love 
Well, it's the first time I think we see Noah for the season, except when he maybe he's driving Midge to the Catskills. Mm. And he's sitting around and they're having like breakfast and Joel's there. Oh, and instantly he's hostile towards Joel. I'm like, mm-hmm. good brother. That's right. I love this brother. Yeah. That's exactly what Noah should mm-hmm. do. Is just have no yeah, absolutely. Like of being that's totally the reaction because he hasn't seen like their blo- like blooming friendship or anything. He just like fucking hates this guy. Yeah, who as has he left should. His that's what brothers should do. Totally helpless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I also love uh, the flipping of. Do you want to take this outside? No, why? So you can beat me up. <laughs> Very good, very good. Um, I also love... I fell in love with Astrid this season as well, who was funny in the first season, but just, I just found I her... I her, yeah. I just, just... The whole gag that she's the the most Jewish person <laughs> in the room is always funny. Yeah. Just just in general, her like how she gets frazzled by things. The bit where Rose comes and like gets all the information about mm. Noah out of her is very good. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I also love Rose doesn't know which way to turn the, the page because yeah. <laughs> she's never read it. So fantastic. <laughs> And then when she finally gets around to announcing that she's pregnant at the worst possible time, just <laughs> I'm just waiting for the I right time. <laughs> Fantastic. But speaking of Astrid, whenever we speak of Astrid, you know, this is a woman who's been trying to have children. Mm. You know, she says, why didn't you ever ask me to look after the kids? Yeah. Good fucking question, Midge. <laughs> Because Mitch doesn't think about the kids. She doesn't care who's looking after them. So, so this is what I wanted to get to. Last season, I had like a little <laughs> complaint about how the kids... Where the fuck are the kids? The kids are missing from this story, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels like this should be something that we're, that's being discussed because, you know, Midge is a mother and that's a part of her character. Mm. I think the show did a very good job of making me realise that it doesn't give a shit about the kids. Yeah, they left the baby in the car. (laughs) And that I shouldn't give a shit about the kids. Yeah, it's a joke. It is a joke. Mm -hmm. And they do a really good job of making a joke. Uh, Friend of the show, Hannah Dallas, Mm -hmm. let me know ahead of time. She'd been watching the season before I got to it. And she's like, episode four, the opening of episode four made me really happy. So the opening of episode four, which is the first Catskills episode, Mm -hmm. is a shot-for-shot recreation of the opening of To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. And... She loves that movie, which is why she um, was such a fan of that opening. And I was like, okay, that's interesting, but why is that moment there? Mm. And the only thing I can think of is that it's there because it's making a deliberate statement about the children. That is a film and a story that is mm. told from the perspective of a child, a child's perspective on this adult world around them. And this, we get this opening that's a re- recreation of To Kill a Mockingbird, and then Abe abruptly interrupts and says, no, stop playing with my toys and takes it away from the kid. <laughs> yeah. And the show's saying, we're never going to look... We don't give a crap about these kids. Don't expect to know anything about them. This is a show about the adults. Or is it, it saying matter. all of the adults in this show are the children? I mean, they are the children, yeah. but it's... I think it's it's a deliberate like, right. don't get your hopes up that we're going to get an Ethan episode here. Because it kind of leans into that a little yeah. bit. And then says, no, that's not happening. And then they abruptly get dropped off and never seen again for the next three episodes of the Catskills. That we ha- you never see them. Ever. <laughs> Astrid. Who is... No, not Astrid. How, what's the little one's name? I can't even remember. I don't know. Lumpy. Lumpy. <laughs> I don't even know her name. We never see... I know she's got... Doesn't she always talk about her having a big nose or yes. something? Yeah. Big forehead. Yeah. The nose forehead. will get fixed in Paris. Yeah. The best doctors in Paris will the ones will do it. I, you, where? It's a baby. Where is she? Doesn't matter. I love that we only ever see the kids in there with Joel. <laughs> oh, that's... And not a bad role for him. There's a few other things that, that suggest this. Um, there's a bit where... 
uh, Ethan puts Susie on the phone when they ask you to put on to your mother. Yeah. And Susie's the one that's been there, been looking after him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, yeah, someone asked, why did you put Susie on the phone? Because like, he was, he was, she was actually looking after him. Um, I have to get back. I have work. I have children. Like she'd almost forgot she had kids, which I loved. <laughs> um, but my favorite baby moment of all, child moment of all, mm. is when, um, is what's her name? The best friend. Uh, okay. Imogene. Imogene. Imogene's just had a baby. Mm. And I, if this is a real thing, this is the best thing I've the ever drawer? seen in my life. Yeah, she's like, "Do you want to see her?" And then pulls it's the baby real. out of the drawer, That's a real thing. which is just amazing yeah. on its own. But then the moment they're done with it, puts baby back, close yeah. the drawer, <laughs> keep talking about something else. And I was like, "Okay, I I understand now. I I'm over like, it." Don't know why they got rid of those drawers because it's a great idea. It's so good. <laughs> I had enough of you now. Um. So yes, I'm over that criticism. They as. Dealt with it, made me laugh. It's fine. Where I, I just think we should bring back the idea that neglecting your child is a glamorous choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know why not? Um, do you have anything anything particular you want to talk about? I've got a few more things. Oh, I mean, we've kind of touched on the fact that Midge is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Just because she's she is just another narcissistic asshole character. That's usually. A male character. She's just very entertaining. Uh, yeah. She, one, she's funny. But they usually are, though. They usually have a pretty, like, sardonic, hilarious sense of humour, those characters. But I just find it so forgivable, I guess, because she is the lady in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. So any opportunity where she can kind of, like, take back her power, it's kind of nice. But, I, yeah, but there are times where I'm like, fuck you, Mitch. Mm. Fuck you. Like, particularly in her relationship with Susie, yep. how she is so limited in her perspective to understand anyone else's side. Sure. Mm. There's I, I, there's a bit in the um, the tour episode when they're touring around the country mm. and they, they're staying in a motel for the first time and Midge has never stayed in a motel before. <laughs> yeah. And just like the moment where she realised she has to go and get her own bags and stuff like that. And I think as she leaves the room, Susie says something, such a fucking freak. Yeah. And it's like, she is a freak. Yeah. She is a weirdly disconnected person from a lot of people's reality. And she doesn't necessarily know that. And that is a real problem for her. But I'm like, I'm really glad that Midge, as entertaining as she is, as much as I love her, as much as I want to succeed, that is very flawed in that way. Yeah. No, otherwise it, makes it would be so boring. Much, it would be boring. Yeah. It'd be really boring if she was just perfect all the time. Because mm. she is... So perfect in so, so yes. many ways. She can do everything. Everything, exactly. Except feel empathy, which, you know, terrifying. But I'm glad she isn't a serial killer. But, yeah, no, it is a huge flaw and it's this giant blind spot mm-hmm. for her, which makes her really fascinating. Yes. But also makes you understand why she can be so determined and what really makes her stand out compared to all the other people around her is that selfishness and is that drive? Well, that was sort of something I want to talk about. We already mentioned this a little bit, um, just sort of touched on, I think, a bit earlier, that this story of like exceptionalism or the cost of exceptionalism, which is coming up, which we've, you know, seen a few times. If you've watched Whiplash, that's the story about like what it takes to be the best and it's going to cost you your life sort of situation. Mm. There's that fantastic character whose name I can't remember, the artist played by Rufus Sewell, mm. who, it, that's a great performance too, that so, episode. Oh, yeah. And great at playing drunk. He is, isn't he? <laughs> I love, I've loved Rufus Sewell in the little bits I've seen him ever since The Knight's Tale. Um, 
And that that whole sequence where she goes into like a secret room and sees the paint that we'll never see. Mm. Um, and like he talks about the cost of, you know, he puts ev- to make that he had to put everything into it. Everything. His entire mm. life is in that painting, even though only a few people are ever going to see it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting idea and it makes more sense to do that and talk about, well, we know she's going to succeed because what's this story if she doesn't succeed, right? Let's forget about her just struggling for the rest of this series. No mm. one wants that. But let's talk about if she is going to succeed, what's the cost of that? What does it look like? What does that yeah. look like? What is that actually going to mean for her? Her relationship to her parents, her relationships to her partners, her relationship to her manager even. Mm. Um, I'm a real big fan of that and where they're going with that. And just skip past mm. another bunch of, oh, she can't succeed because a man's in the way. Yeah. Stories. I think this show has incredible potential to have a wonderful balance of humour and tragedy mm-hmm. with Midge, the character of Midge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to see a woman, you know, forging her own path but because of how things are, really making those hard choices and committing to being alone mm-hmm. uh, and obviously stumbling back and forth, like the first example of that is the Joel thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, really kind of seeing the consequence, like the highs and lows of that life. I think, yeah, has the potential for some really great drama and comedy. I'm very excited. Me too. I really like where it's mm. going. Um, how do you feel about the sort of where they're going with Susie and Sophie Lennon as mm. well? Very interesting. Um, so I assume, I mean, you can't pass that opportunity. They Obviously, like, riffs are developing between her and Midge. And happened very naturally, I feel yes. like. They did a really good job of just showing them starting to like get testy with each other. Mm-hmm. They're being tested because they're spending so much time together yeah. even. And even just maybe starting to out... Well, in some ways, Midge is outgrowing Susie. It's probably more in... I think I think Midge could anytime turn around and get very professional representation if yes, she wanted to. absolutely. Yeah, she could. And she would and do... And I think well, Midge well, probably feels quite vulnerable and therefore goes to the extreme sometimes mm-hmm. to prove herself mm-hmm. in the entirely wrong way because she doesn't have the experience or the tact that um, m- you might need in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I, I can see a rift developing between them. I mean, it, it has... Her going off with Sophie Lennon, maybe learning some hard but perhaps good lessons mm-hmm. through that and maybe they'll come back together, I hope. But, yeah, no, I think there needs to be a clear divide between them. Though that's going to suck because I love their dynamic yeah. together. It's going to be really hard. But ultimately I think it could be um, a really kind of, you know, dramatic but beautiful uh, little moment in their friendship being apart for when they come back together. As you said, amazing dramatic potential, yeah. though it would suck to have them have less screen time yeah. together because they work in yeah. every scene they have together. They mm-hmm. never fail. But as long as they make that reunion satisfying, that's okay with me. There was a bit where there's like, you know in the episode where they go to that club and she gets keeps getting bumped to the end of the lineup. Mm. And there's a bit where they're just talking at the bar. It's just a shot. It's just over the bar. There's so many of these shots. Mm. I love that they do this too. Just long takes. Maybe, maybe they move the camera in dramatic sweeping ways. Yeah. They w- move through a um, operator um, booth or whatever it is or whatever it might be. 
Or they just sit behind a bar and let the actors do their fucking job. Just shoot the shit, yeah. It's so good. Mm. I, uh, anytime you put them together, it's... Uh, I love how this show is shot. I love how confident it is just to go, this is where we're going to put the camera, rehearse it a few times, who knows how many times they rehearse it, and just let you guys do the work because you can. There are some scenes where you're like, they would have had to choreograph a so shit ton much. of extras. So much. <laughs> just, just for like what could have just been a simple static shot. They're like, you know, no, we're not going to do mm-hmm. that. That's not what this show is. Every little part plays into that beautiful rhythm that we have. Bam, here we go. Let's make something magical. Mm-hmm. Let's make something marvellous. And they do. Another little detail I liked, actually, mm-hmm. uh, the transition from New York to Paris and Paris to New York. Oh, yeah. That's got to be from something. You'd, you'd think so. I it, think it is. It probably is. But it's beautifully realised. But I'm too in a film to know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's beautiful. If it's whatever it is, well done. Angry tweet me, please. <laughs> um, there was another thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, the moment that... A couple of moments I loved... In it. One being mm-hmm. where the end of the episode where she's been bumped and bumped and bumped by the men, she gets up and just rips through them all. It was very oh, satisfying. So good. And probably her, my favourite set of hers it was from a pure humour sort of yeah. view, sort of um, point of view. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ooh. the moment that probably got me in the feels the most, mm. because I didn't expect it to happen yet, it kind mm-hmm. of got me by surprise, was when she killed it on television. Yeah. And like seeing... The audience love it. So, like little details, like seeing the um, the sailors get closer, yeah. who moved down, and like I want to be closer to this person. I don't mm. want to be at the back anymore. To see them in the control room loving it, to see all the people watching on TV and going, "This woman's hilarious." To see the phones lighting up, to see Abe even watching that's somebody else's TV. That's what got me when like Abe's <sighs> watching it, and I was like, "Oh, that's really lovely." And then you hear someone else's TV, and I thought it was Rose because I like you know all that. Talk about getting two TVs in the first season. Yeah. And then he's, he's walking. I was like, oh, it's the neighbours. And yeah. he goes out and he looks at other people laughing at her. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then Rose comes in. She's like, is this a thing? Like, yeah. 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 It's a thing. That totally mm-hmm. effed me up. And it's a point of no return for the show. So you can't take that back, that no. moment where she's like, has made her mark finally. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, we crossed that threshold. I was like, oh. Wow, we're here already. And I was really happy we were. Yeah. I loved, love, love, love that moment. I'm running out of stuff. Anything else? Um, Alex Borstein high in a bathtub is perfection. Yes. That oh, was, my God. I'd forgotten about that. That was so long ago. <laughs> it feels like years ago. <laughs> but that had me laughing. God, she's good. She is just good in every single fucking scene. Yes, We she also is. get to see her family. Yes. How do you feel about that stuff? The stuff... Well, I... I yeah, the family. I was going to quickly say I love the stuff with her and the henchmen when they come to pick her up as well. That yeah, was I could. I thought that. it was quite funny. But yeah. Go on. I mean, yeah, because she's just a f- hilarious character. But yes. that storyline, I was like, yeah, boring. Um, her and the family, I found really interesting. I could see like her frustration, her anger, but also her sadness. Mm-hmm. I love the scene at the end with her sister. I thought mm-hmm. that was really lovely because I remember in the first season she talked about her shithead brother, but her sister was, you know, she was all right. Um. Yeah, it was nice to see another element of Susie. And I think, I still think we really do need to go deeper with Susie. Yeah. Because um, she would have had lived a fucking hard life being a non-conforming gender-wise woman yeah. in the world. I don't think this is necessarily important, but there's a couple of times the show maybe has kind of raised just to question a little bit of her sexuality. Mm. Not in terms... 
not even if she's just you know straight or gay whether she's been intimate with anyone ever yeah it sounds like she hasn't yeah she kind of avoids the question a little bit there's a bit where she actually um, says like no one's seen this naked yeah Yeah. right uh there's a bit where um midge says you know no one you've ever shared a bed with ever asked you and she's like good night and like her reaction is like why would someone come into my room yes, it's and not- then wake me up and tell me that I'm snoring? Like, yeah. She doesn't, she's never slept in a bed with someone that's, before. That's what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And I was like, now is that, is this an asexuality thing mm. or is just someone who has never been intimate with anybody? Like yeah. not, not, not by choice necessarily. Um, and like I said, I don't think that necessarily defines her, but it's an interesting detail about mm-hmm. her character that I, I feel mean, like is there to be explored. Yeah, and maybe. I, I certainly think it's an interesting thing to explore yeah. as you know, what they value and, you know, for a lot of still do in a woman mm-hmm. in that time period. If you're a woman and you don't have those things, well, what is your purpose? Yeah, right. So, if you, the whole time you've been told that you have no value and no purpose, mm. what does that mean for you? So, I would I would love to go into that a bit more. Yeah. No, I think there's, I think there's plenty more there. Oh, yes. Potentially. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, Rose fainting at the side of a guy's dick, like when she's moving away from it. Fuck, I was cacking. And then I also had a very similar reaction when Abe had the same reaction that to it. That was very funny. <laughs> like someone give, give him a moment. He's seen a naked man. Um, yeah, I thought that was very... They're such cuties. They are. Because they're just like everyone's grandparents. It's weird. I believed them more as a couple this mm-hmm. season. That Again, the first two episodes do a lot of heavy lifting and really get you to a point where you're like, I yeah. just love these two. Heavy lifting, but it doesn't look heavy. No, it doesn't. Which is beautiful, yeah. It doesn't. It gets there mm. very well. Yeah. Ah, so good. Uh, just another little detail. This is a little, not as funny, that I just remembered that I liked as well. And someone told me this isn't that original. But there's a bit where... Um, Midge and Benjamin go to see Lenny mm-hmm. performing. Mm-hmm. And just the little thing I liked that was sort of showing where they're at in their sort of relationship, their courtship, was when they keep looking to see if the other yeah, person is laughing, if the nice. other person is enjoying themselves. Yeah. And that's just, I thought that was very recognisable, mm-hmm. relatable moment. Yeah. When, you, when you care about someone. A simple, wordless moment that totally. we all recognise and yeah. understand the meaning of, which is... I thought that Wonderful was, storytelling. For a show that's very articulate, it was mm. cool to just like do something yeah. wordless. Yeah. And I I mean, I continue to really enjoy her friendship with Lenny Bruce. Me too. Like when, because, you know, with that kind of thing, there are people who was like, oh, I ship them together. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just love the friendship. I love the mutual respect they have for one another. And I just think it's really, you know, cute when he's, talking about you know this handsome man or whatever and like he gets the jewish side of things that kind of level of expectation and he's just like a good supportive mentor for her yeah which i love i think and i think there's i understand the desire to ship him to ship them i kind of feel that way as well because they got a chemistry and there's like that's part of what makes them interesting though is that there's mentorship there's a friendship and there's there's a you know there's a bit of flirting going on there why wouldn't they be attracted to each other you know Mm. and like that's that would be there and it should be there and they can also not sleep together and not ever be a relationship prospect and that's great too. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't – we don't have to go to shipping territory but that's just be a great part of their dynamic. That's, yeah. yeah, no, that, that, that is sense. absolutely true. There can be like sexual attraction without – Totally. As lo- like my real fear is when people start like shipping or whatever is that like that becomes the interesting element of the relationship and yes. I never want that to happen. And I don't think – I don't think the show I wants don't think to do it that would either. Either. And I think no. the thing that makes it – 
well, maybe not impossible, but helps to make that less likely is just the fact that he's a real historical figure. And, and to, if you know anything about him, you know what's going to happen. Exactly right, which yeah. does make it very difficult. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to final thoughts. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Well, I've got one side note left because I've given them all away in the other stuff. Um, I wondered whether they might touch on autism or Asperger's with Ethan or with Abe. Apparently not. That's don't think. That's Did they really know other. about that in 1959? No, but I kind of thought that might be something that's interesting. Well, for that reason, because dealing with it when it's not a thing could be interesting. But I don't think we're ever going to spend confused by it. Yeah, just sort of like what that would mean as a mother or a parent to mm. deal with your child who is different in some way or is like needs different care than other kids might. In a world where that's just their... Mu- but because I, I think if we think back in history, a lot of people talk about, oh, they were probably such and such, but we just, you know, gave them a smack sort of thing. Yeah. was the way that that was dealt with once upon They're a time. They're either just slow or just super smart. They were geniuses. Or they were just shitty kids and they were badly behaved and you were mm. a bad parent. Mm-hmm. Like, there's angles there in a world... Before we were... I think we might have to invest in Midge as a mother and I don't think that's, that's going to happen. And that's where I think it's It could like- be like a relationship between Abe and Ethan and mm-hmm. a recognition of self. But Abe's obviously going off on his own adventure next season. So, I don't yeah, see that I, happening. I doubt that's going to happen. Mm. Uh, that's fine. It didn't need to happen. Least favourite and favourite episode. What's your least favourite episode of this season, Damask? It's very hard. Yeah, great. Because like I said, I don't think it's a bad episode in the bunch i'm gonna go just with the first episode um and i i know you like thought it was funny and there were some funny elements but the susie being separated from everyone and hanging out with the hitmen sure yeah could yeah could leave that behind um also midge is an asshole to her mother i love rose didn't appreciate that tone um i don't know yeah it felt maybe a little slow and disjointed for the first episode um, didn't quite get me psyched for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. What about sure. you? Uh, my least favorite episode is episode eight, Someday, which mm. is the Them on the Road episode, mm-hmm. which again, not a bad episode by a long stretch, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. As much as I love Miz- Midge and Susie, it just, it did I, from scene to scene, it wasn't always grabbing me. There were elements in a scene that were good. I was seeing their tension building. I just didn't think it was, I don't know, it just didn't pop the same way as some other episodes mm. did for some reason for me. I really enjoyed it, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's. this is a barely, <laughs> barely a criticism. It was a great season of television with no bad episodes. Yeah, yeah. That one was the one I got to the end of and went, yeah, that wasn't quite as good as the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favourite episode? Episode four, we're going to the Catskills. Um, it's a, I think, it, yeah, like I said earlier, it's a great example of how good the show is that we can simply spend time on vacation with these characters and really enjoy ourselves. Uh, we have Abe relaxing, enjoying his tomato juice and exercising in his romper. We have the intro of Benjamin, who is the superior partner. Um, we have the excitement of unpacking and leaving the baby in the car, which I enjoyed. Um, Joel stands up for himself and Midge, showing that we are going to be growing with Joel, which was a really good sign. I just It was a fun and exciting episode and I liked it. Would we say Benjamin is endgame? Yeah, we would say. No, he's not. Avengers but I wish- endgame. I know. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? No, Shazam is DC. No, that's DC. Yeah, sorry. No, it's not, no. Um, yeah. There was no joke there. 
Okay, so it was just a random yes, comment that you wanted random, to insert into yeah, my... Yes. Okay, great. What about you, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> Please interrupt any time. Uh, my favourite episode was episode Marvel five. Marvel Comics. <laughs> episode five, Midnight at the Concord. You know I'm just going to start talking about Marvel Comics if you do that right. You're just going to get me on to version. <laughs> fine. Um, mostly for that ending. Yeah. The ending where, yeah, uh, Abe finds out that... Big Midge's, moment. Mm. Fuck, that was so Waiting good. for it to happen and there it is. And it kind of like... It, what, you, what you liked about episode one, episode one of the Catskill stuff, episode four, is still very much present in what's going on here. The energy of the Catskills, mm. the cartoonish sort of side story that's going with Susie. <laughs> There's more stuff going with Midge and Benjamin. I love the bit where they go to see Lenny Bruce and yeah. that uh, Midge and Lee is always great and Benjamin and Midge are great. That and yeah, that ending episode. is so mm. fantastic at the end. I don't know. I just... It Good stood choice, out. Man. That ending was just so great. Yeah. Predictions, hopes and or concerns for season three. Um, or the show going forward in general. I've only oh, got- I, I predict that Abe is going to sue the American government for his patent or his ideas, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is probably going to get him on some very bad lists and in a lot of trouble. I really want to know more specifically what he was an activist for back in the day. Mm. I it was like communism, right? Well, possibly, yeah. Yeah. And that would be, I mean, it's the right era to be talking about it that sort of stuff. It certainly is. That's yeah. why I think he's probably going to get into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, what else? I think we're going to see Midge on tour, which would be very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine the first, like, they'll do, like, a two-episode bit of yeah. her overseas and it'll be like montage. maybe not I don't even know if it's a montage I think it's just going to be two episodes of her on the road and like maybe very little Susie if any at all very little anybody else just her I kind of think of I episodes hope she bones that shy guy could very well happen Ooh. wouldn't surprise me mm. and that would that would be makes awesome. sense mm-hmm. um, oh fuck I just hope she becomes super sexually liberated and just fucks a bunch of dudes she could nice there's, there's a bunch of stuff like that that could happen I think of like I'm trying to think of like shows that do this there's an episode a season of Buffy that starts with her pretending to be somebody else. There's a whole episode of just mm. her being Beth or something like that, her name yeah. is. And, like, doesn't involve any other the Scoobies or the regulars at all. And, I like, those can be fun. You obviously want to get back to the other stuff. But it's important to, you know, go out on your own yeah. and grow. And mm-hmm. I think that could be... We travelled to Paris last time. Maybe we're travelling to London this time or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. That could be cool. Absolutely. I think, yeah, Susie and Midge, their friendship, is going to have a huge divide, if not completely break up. Mm-hmm. Um, Rose, who knows? Ethan and the baby probably dead. That's my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Uh, I have one hope. Oh, please, 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 don't get back together with Joel. Oh, please, God, please don't do that. Please don't do that. That was just a re-emphasized version of the one I had last. I think Abe season. would straight up just kill Joel. He, but like, I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. <laughs> Which, loved, I, which would be great. I love the way he was vetting um, Benjamin as well. Just <laughs> <laughs> like his reading list was uh, was a bit patchy. Yeah. That author, that wasn't real. Yeah, it's just... like, like he would, like I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. I felt a bit insulted by that. <laughs> uh, excellent. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, our theme song from Jordan Calavis, and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, where I have been wondering why Netflix made Tidelands when they could have just remade Ocean Girl. Uh, Damask? <laughs> 
they probably couldn't get the rights to Ocean Girl. How the- how expensive can the rights to Ocean Girl be? Look, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, I've got no fucking. Where's idea. our new round of twist series? That's what I want to know. Well, the twist. Um, you can find me on. <laughs> Twitter and Instagram at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. I don't think I've been doing a fucking thing. Our next episode. <laughs> great follow there, guys. Great value for that one. Our next episode, we'll be back for our last episode of the year to discuss <gasps> some of our favourite holiday-themed episodes and wrap up the year in TV. The start of the episode, if you haven't le- or you've forgotten already, will be the long list, or the episode, not long list, the list of six episodes we'll be watching. Please feel free to follow along. We'll tweet that and Instagram that we list will. as well, so you can have a looky. Absolutely. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.